Jesus, if you guys know the story, you read the Bible, he came to earth because God loved mankind, us, humanity, and said, I got to make a way for them to get back with me because sin screwed up the relationship. So Jesus came down, he lived, he taught about relationship with God, he went to the cross, and he literally rose from the dead three days later. People's minds were blown because they're like, this, he really did that. Like, this really happened, and he changed our lives, and, and the resurrection happened, and they went, that he really was the son of God. In fact, you read in one of the gospels where the, the Roman officer that was at the cross after he died, before even the resurrection, he died, and it says there was a Roman officer that looked up and goes, surely this was the son of God. Like, they got it. And so this small group of believers, they saw him die. They saw him resurrect. He hung out for 40 days on planet Earth just to prove that he really was there. It wasn't a fluke. Then he ascended into heaven, and then he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God, Trinity, right? And he's going to dwell in every one of you. And when you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys are going to be my movement, a force to be reckoned with on planet Earth to bring people into relationship with me. And we're here today because we know that early church, they were bold. They were out there. They were a movement. And along the line, we know the danger of this other German word that they used to translate some later translations of the Bible, this Germanic word that was this word, Kirche. That's how you pronounce it, right? Is that right, Paul? Paul corrected me. But it looks like it says Kirsch, and where we've transformed it into the word church. So we take the ecclesia movement that we're supposed to be, and we somehow along the way, we sometimes let it turn into this gathering place rather than the gathering of people that's a, that's a movement. We let it turn into a place, a movement, a program, an institution. And so we're learning together in the series that we want to come back to being a movement. And what does that look like? And not just a place that you go to or a, a program that you're a part of. And, and I believe that, that what we see in the early churches, they were so focused on growing the movement that it wasn't enough that they knew Jesus, obeyed Jesus. He changed their lives. They're like, yes, this is so good. Can you imagine the early believers taking communion like we did? Can you imagine the very first time they took communion after Jesus had died and resurrected? The meaning that they had? Because they took it at the Last Supper, right? What, what Pastor Kanani read is, like, on the night of the, his betrayal, before he was going to be arrested, do this in remembrance of me. And they're kind of going, oh, okay, thanks. But they didn't get it. We know they didn't really get it until after the resurrection. And scripture tells us that they, the light went on and they all go, that's what he meant. Can you imagine the first time they took communion after Jesus resurrected, went to heaven, he wasn't with them anymore. How powerful that was. Do this to remember me. They're like, body broken. We saw his body broken. We saw the whips. We saw the spear in his side. We saw the, the nails in his hands and his feet. Oh my gosh. Drinking the juice, the wine, representing the blood that was, that was shed for us for forgiveness of sins. And they're taking that and they're just going, that hillside, that was like two months ago. They're still still stains of blood, his blood, on the rocks at Calvary, at Golgotha, the place of the skull. They're, in their heads, they're going, this is real. And so there was a fire. This is what I want to preach today. There was a fire and a passion in them that said, the way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we pray is bigger than just, oh God, it's good that we love you and bless us, protect us, do some things for us. They thought bigger, they prayed bigger, 
And we're going to talk about what that is today because we need that in our lives today. And we want to keep on thinking outward. We want to think movement, not institution. Like, I want us to actually think that we are called an outstitution. Can we say that together? Outstitution. It's not even a real word, but it's a, you can tweet that one, Pastor Carl Weirdo, outstitution. He said we're an outstitution. Because I want us to think outward focus, and that's the whole point of the bigger things is I pray the small prayers, guys. I'm, I'm guilty. God, protect me. Watch over me. Do good things for me. Oh, and by the way, I hope you can reach the world for Jesus. That's, that's small. That's good, good prayers. It's okay. We're supposed to pray and ask anything. Jesus said, right, pray everything. Ask the Father. He loves you. But sometimes we limit ourselves. Here's what the early church prayed. God, small prayers, normal prayers, protect us, protect our stuff, watch over us, all of that. But here's what they prayed that was bigger. God, use us to go out there and to reach the world around us. You guys see the difference there? And so that's what we're talking about is, and, and there's places in my life that I, I live in the Christian bubble because I'm a pastor and everybody knows a Christian and my kids already know Jesus. I don't need to pray the prayer with them. Like everybody knows Jesus around me, but there's some places where I still have to pray this all the time. And one of the places when I go surfing, because I'm out there and I'm, I'm in the world. I'm with everybody else and I pray every time, God, protect me, my surfboard, protect, I don't want to get stung by a man of war today, God. Like, like give me some good waves. I pray the, the regular good, normal prayers, but kind of limited. But then I always pray this one. And if you've ever surfed with me, before we surf, we always pray this. God, use me, or if I'm with other people, use us to be a light and a witness for you out there in the world that we're about to enter into. And I believe that God honors those prayers, those bigger prayers than just ourselves. We get out of ourselves because I can't tell you the number of times and I've been able to bring encouragement to someone out there that I meet in the water. Invite someone to church, plant seeds of faith. Sometimes just, just bring joy to someone, just compliment them, be a friend. And like, and like I said, I'm normally an introvert, but when I pray bigger prayers, God brings bigger results in my life, amen? And he will use us to think outward. And so even times when there's tension in the water, I've broken up fights before in the water like, and worried that I'm about to be in the middle of something and I'm, I could be taken out right now. But a guy dropped in on me the other week, okay? Let me give you a little bit of a surfing lesson right now. Anybody interested in surfing a little bit? Okay, here's a little terminology. So if you're surfing and you catch a wave and you are the one that is closest to the peak, the breaking part of the wave, and you're going left or right, but you are the one closest to the peak and you get on the wave and you stand up first, it's basically that's your wave. It's just surfing protocol is you don't drop in on someone and get in front of them on the wave. Some of you guys are like, well, I thought like 10 people all catch the same wave. No, don't you ever think that. <laughs> don't, you, don't you ever go surfing with me if you think that. Because the protocol, it's like in any sport, like there's just things that are like penalty, foul, you can't do that, is if you're closest to the peak, then everybody else has to pull out and that's your wave. You caught it properly, everybody takes turns. So I was out surfing the other day and I was waiting on the outside. I was the farthest guy out, so that means if a big one comes, I'm in position. It's like my turn or whatever. So the wave comes, I start paddling for this wave. And I look down, let's see, I was paddling this, I was going left. And I look like 20 feet inside of me and there's a guy paddling also. But I'm like, oh, he's just paddling because he thinks if I don't make it, then he's gonna get it and take it and it's, it's fair game. But I paddle for the wave, I stand up and I'm dropping down and the guy looks at me and he stands up anyway. You don't do that, right? And I'm like, like, this literally hasn't happened to me in years, like that blatantly. There's accidental ones, I didn't see you or whatever. But the guy looked at me and just stood up and went. And so I'm like behind him, and I'm just following, and I'm like, 
okay, he, he did a little turn. He almost hit my board, but he saw me, so he's going to kick out. So he goes up the wave. I'm like, oh, good, he's kicking out. And he just does a turn and comes right back down. I'm like, what? <laughs> Three times he did this. I think he's going to pull out. He just comes right back down, almost hits my board. So I'm just riding, and I'm like, I'm remembering what I prayed, right? <laughs> God used me to be a light and a witness out here right today. So I'm thinking about, I'm like, okay, be calm, be cool. And so we pull out of the wave, and I just, I just ask, I go, hey, what was up with that wave? Like, I, I wasn't trying to be caustic or anything. Just, hey, what was up with that wave? Benefit of the doubt, he might have said, like, oh, man, it's, I haven't caught a wave all day. It was my only chance. I'm going to go in on this one. Sorry. I thought he was going to be like that. And he goes, what do you mean, what was up with that wave? I'm like, uh-oh. And I was like, dude, I have every right now, you know, right now, everybody saw it. I could yell at you. I could shoot my board at you. But, like, I won't because it's brand new today, and I'm not going to risk that. But I said, no, man. He goes, oh, just because you take off deeper, that doesn't mean the wave is yours. And I was like, that's exactly what it means. <laughs> like, I, I took off deeper. I stood up before you. And he goes, well, I didn't see you till the last turn. I go, no, because like three times, you almost banged into my board. And so I'm just like, keep it calm, keep it calm. And then he's like, well, tch, you know, I've been surfing way longer than you anyway. So that's just how it works or something. And I was like, wait, hold on. You've been surfing longer than me? How old are you? And he, he thought I was a kid, right? He goes, I'm 42. I go, oh, I'm 46. <laughs> and he, go, he tells me this. He goes, oh, I thought you were a grom. A grom is a, a word for grommet, which means like a young surfer, right? I said, no, my son over there, that's a grom. I'm a real man. I'm a grown man. <laughs> and he goes, oh. And then this is where it got a little bit weird. He goes, oh, you take good care of yourself. I was like, And then I just said this. And then I, I just said this, super calm. Look, man, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be a kook. I go, that's just uncalled for. That's just not how we do this. And he literally got it. He calmed down. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And then we went out and shared a couple waves, and everything was actually cool. But the reason I tell you that is I need to make sure that I'm constantly praying that I'm a good witness and, I'm, a, and I'm, I'm being the light in the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. I didn't get him saved. He didn't go to church. I get that. But I had a situation where I could have blown up and it couldn't got, could have gotten ugly. And I was used by God to bring some peace in the middle of tension. Does that make sense? That's just a real life situation. It's not big. It's not like, awesome, he's saved. This whole family believes in Jesus. Like, I'm praying for that. But I'm praying for in everyday life, Pray bigger than just give me a good day of surfing and answer my prayers. Here's the big thing. God, use me to be part of a movement that reaches other people. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at the early church this morning in, in the book of Acts and see that because how do we pray? How we pray shows what kind of church we are. Are we an institution or an outstitution, a movement or, you know, what are we? So we're a big movement. I believe that. We serve a big God. We're on a big mission. We need to pray bigger prayers. One of my favorite quotes, and, I, and I'm sorry if I used this one recently in a sermon. I did, but repetition is the best teacher. C.S. Lewis, he said this. Listen, the church, meaning the worldwide movement of God's people, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. Amen? Amen. 
we got to remind ourselves we're a movement. We're bigger than just us, and we love Jesus, and that's good. That's very good. That's amazing. Follow him with devotion and, like, and love and, like, I'll, I'll obey you, God. But also remember that it's bigger than just you, that there's, there's, there's a, an outward expectation that we have because your friends, your family members, your coworkers, the people that paddle with you on canoe team, that work out in the gym with you, the people that are sitting in your classrooms, the people that are in your own home, they need you to think about them and to reach out to them. Because if you don't, who will, right? Some of you guys are here today because someone was bold enough to pray for you, to reach out for you. That's all of us got to church. Let's think about it. Majority of the people that come to church came because someone else knew Jesus and somehow invited them, shared their story with them, whatever. is The world out there is waiting for us to be a movement and to pray bigger. So how do we pray bigger? Well, let me, let me tell you a story in Acts chapter 3 and 4. I'm going to paraphrase something that happened, and then we're going to read some verses. Acts chapter 3. Here's the church, the early followers of Jesus. They're blowing up. They're excited. They're excited. They're willing to risk their lives because something had happened to them personally. In other words, just like us here today, we come to church because we know God is good. We don't come because it's just like, oh, it's a, it's a fun religious thing we do. I got about an hour and a half I can spend up there on that campus. It's cool. No, we're here because something is different in our lives because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We understand what the death and the resurrection of Jesus means to us, and we're hopefully Hopefully, none of you guys are here just because it's a cool place to hang out and they give free coffee. Like, hopefully, you're here because you know your place in the body of Christ, right? So these people are like, our lives are changed, and we're going to tell everybody about it. So you know that Peter was full of boldness. Last week, we talked about it. He preached one sermon one day. 3,000 people joined the movement and got started. So now, Peter and John go and they find this guy that's crippled by the side of the temple. He's been crippled for 40 years of his life. He was born crippled and he's, he's sitting there and everybody in town knows him. It's like, oh, everybody knows that guy. Like if you're on Kailua, everybody knows like Mango Man, right? He used to hang out. He's like, like the town, like the, the, the homeless or the character, the needy person or whatever. And, and so here's this guy. He's on the side of the road. Everybody sees him. Peter and John come by and they go, you know what? God is a healing God. He's got power. We're fired up on him. He can do some stuff. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. They pull him up. The dude can walk. He's fired up. Everyone's, what? That really happened? Like, we know that guy. He's never been able to get up before in his life. Now he's walking around. He's jumping. He's like moonwalking, you know? He's like, what? That guy. So listen to this, though. They heal this guy by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in them. The religious authorities don't like that because it's like, wait, no, we hold the religious stuff around here. You don't do this. We don't like that Jesus character. I thought we killed that guy. What are you guys doing preaching in his name? So they threaten these guys. Don't ever preach in that name again because that's not, we follow the, the law of Leviticus and Moses and the old school uh, Jewish law. We're not really partial to this Jesus guy. So be quiet about this stuff. They're actually mad because they, they healed someone. And this is where we pick up the story right now is that they took Peter and John and they said, how dare you, don't ever teach in that name again or else something will happen to you. Remember what we did to your boy Jesus? Yeah, watch out. Throw him in jail overnight. They didn't know what to do with him. They threatened him. Acts 4, verse 8. Peter, then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, hey, rulers and elders of our people, are we seriously being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Like, wait, hold on a minute. You threw us in jail. You're mad at us. You threatened us because we helped a guy that was crippled his entire life now get up and now he can get a job. He can have a family. He can feed himself. He can do all that. You're mad at us for that? Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. And look what he says. 
He goes, do you want to know how he was healed? Well, listen to this. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures. He's reminding them of all of their Old Testament prophecies that they've known and memorized for years. Remember, he's the guy that your, your, your Bible, right, Old Testament scrolls, says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. Amen? Amen? Oh, thank you. We got one. God has given no other name under heaven by which men by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I could preach for days on that subject alone. Is that we are just ordinary people, all of us here. We're ordinary people, but because we've been with Jesus and we spend time with him, God can do extraordinary things in our lives. Amen? Amen. There's a whole message on that in itself. But these guys are going, whoa, this is crazy. These guys, they, just normal people, they've been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there's nothing the council could say. So they threatened them again. Don't you dare preach in this name. Don't ever want to hear it again or else you're going to get it. And then they let him go. Now, this is my first point. I want to talk about the art, the, having the right attitude in the heart of praying bigger prayers. Look at what they did. When they got threatened, they're, they're in fear for their lives. They don't know if they could get killed over this thing. Look at what they did. In Acts 4.23, it says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Here's my first thing just to write down, jot down. Pray first and pray fast. The importance of being a people of prayer and praying the bigger prayer starts with being people that pray first and know that when they're threatened in life, when you're going through a trial, you might be threatened by something right now. It's probably not your life like Peter and John, but you might be threatened with bankruptcy, with divorce, with the loss of a relationship, with, with a, a sickness or illness or just something going on in your life, depression, addiction. You're threatened with something. And here's the attitude that the early church said, because they're outward focused. They're like praying big thoughts. They're like, we're up against something right now, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray fast and we're going to pray first. We're not going to gather together and sit down and have a meeting and discuss all of our options here. Okay, well, this guy threatened us. Um, maybe we should like, does anybody know anybody in the, in the religious officials? Maybe someone's cousin is like nice and they can put in a good word. So maybe they, they won't do that. Uh, what else could we do? Well, we could go into hiding. We could do all this. Stuff. They wasted no time in discussing options like we do. God, how can I do this? I need to solve this problem. I, what if I did this? What if I, they just kept the mouth shut. They said, look, this is the threat. Let's all lift our voices together and go straight to God. Pray first and pray fast. Don't discuss options. Now here's the next part of it as they began to pray, because this is really important, is the attitude that they had before they asked for help to come in the midst of their being threatened. Before they actually got down to the nitty gritty of, here's what we need to pray for, God, they started off with this attitude that says something important, that before they asked for the help, they went with an attitude that says, God, we have faith in you and that you can do this thing and that you're in control. Look at what they said in verse 24. Here's how they start the prayer. I would have started with, help, right? But here's what they started with. Oh, sovereign Lord. In other words, the word sovereign means God is in control. That God knows what he's doing. 
that everything is up to him. He says, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. He's going, they're, they're coming together going, God, you're in control. And you already knew that years and years and years ago, King David prophesied that this would happen, that everybody was going to be against Jesus. And then he, they, they pray this. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. In other words, they're, they're being real and they're going, look, God, here's the problem. Look, you're in control, but there is a problem. We can see it with our own eyes. Everyone is against Jesus, and now they're threatening us. And then they say this in verse 28, but everything that they did was determined beforehand according to your will. They started off by saying, you're sovereign, and then they say, everything is done according to your will. Listen, if you're in trouble right now and you're in a hard time and you're not sure if God can come because things are threatening to, to cave in on your life and you're just, you're hurting right now, you need to know that your God did not bring you this far to let you crash and burn right now. He's still in control. Look, here's five powerful words to remind yourself when you're praying in times of darkness and hurt and you need God to come through for you. Write down these five words, simple words. God is still in control, okay? Write that down, put that on your heart. Before you go into the part where, God help, we're freaking out, we're hurting, we're this, we're that. Remind yourself to come in prayer to the attitude that says, God knows what he's doing, he's still sovereign. He's still in control. And it looks like there's a mess happening right now in my life. I'm being hurt, I'm being threatened, or whatever's going on. But God, before I ask, because it would make no sense to ask if I didn't believe that you could do it. So I'm gonna establish the fact and remind myself, God, you are still in control. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I heard a, a, a pastor just preach on this, this, I think it was last week or something. Powerful little verse. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That sight is the opposite of faith. That faith is something that is not seen. It's trusting in a God that we can't see him, but we know he's sovereign, he's in control. And if I have that kind of an attitude, then it's saying that I trust in God for whatever I'm about to ask him. But the opposite of that would be, right, it says right there is that we walk by faith, not by sight. The opposite of faith is sight. I look at the circumstances and I go, whoa, they just crucified Jesus. They threatened me. I'm super scared. Maybe I should give up. And the things that we see are often the things that speak against the miracle and the blessing in our life if we begin to believe those things. Does that make sense? So don't believe what you see. Go into prayer saying, God, you're in control, even though it looks terrible. It looks like there's a mess going on right now. It looks like we're, we may not even make it. Peter and John already went to jail. We can lose our lives. But God, it looks scary. But we're going to start our prayer in saying, despite how scary it looks, we trust you. We have faith in you and not in what we can see. See, I know that as a parent, as a dad in here, anybody dads in the room, that you know that you had kids and, and that the awesome thing about kids is when they're growing up and they break their stuff, they always know that dad can fix it, right? They always trust that dad can fix it. Like our, our little one, our youngest, Sammy, when she was growing up, she wasn't even like two years old, she's like a little kid. But our two older kids, Kylie and Isaac, they would have toys. Kylie would get a toy when she's little, play with it for years, pass it down to Isaac. He's younger. He'd play with it for years. Sammy comes along, and she, she's not malicious or anything. 
but she would just break it, right? Toys that lasted through two kids, when, by the time I got to Sam, she would break it. Like, she just had, like, a, a spiritual gift of breaking things. Like, <laughs> not, not mad, not like, err. She was just like, I don't know. Like, we opened the refrigerator one day, and the, the drawer in the refrigerator is broken. And it's like, the two-year-old did that. You know, she comes in, the daddy, I break. I'm like, how? You know, like toys. And she brought to us, I'm still astonished to this day, a Hot Wheels car, die-cast metal. Daddy, I break. What? How? With the stick. And she had a stick, you know, like, how do you break this stuff? But the cool thing was, is that she would always come to me and, and report it to me. And she wasn't worried that it was broken because she trusted that daddy could fix it. Right? And most of the time I could, and if I couldn't, I'd buy a new one. But either way, she had this trust in dad. She even told, Kanani asked her one time when she was little. Kanani said, uh, Sammy, what do you think daddy does for work, for a living? And she said this, daddy fixes things. <laughs> but here's the attitude that we need to have with our heavenly father. When we go to prayer, it may look broken, but we don't live by what we can see in sight. We live by the fact of faith in a God that says, God is broken. It looks broken. I don't know how to fix it, but you do because my daddy fixes things. So they went to him in prayer, and this is, this is the attitude that they had. And here's the main point I'm trying to preach to you guys today. The actual prayer that they prayed when they're threatened, when the world's caving in, and they're realizing, wait, we're not an institution praying for ourselves. We're a movement that is praying for God to use us in the big world around us. Look at this big prayer. The big prayer was this, for us, is praying for God to use you in the middle of it. Not to take you out of the mess, not to God to solve it, but God use us. Look what they prayed in verse 29. Now, O oh Lord, hear their threats, because they're real threats. There's a problem out there. But give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Not take us out of the threats or make the threats go away, but while we're going through the mess and the hurt, would you give us boldness? That's cool. Would you give us boldness to preach your word and stretch out your hand with healing power? May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. They did not pray, protect us, give us safety, make the thing go away. God, hide us. Hide all the Christians so they don't know where we are. Because if it was me and my life was being threatened, you know what I would have prayed? I would have prayed instantly, God, hide me from the authorities. Anybody you ever hid from someone that was out to get you? that feeling, like, because that's a choice, right? Uh, uh, fight or flight. And you sometimes like, God, help me run away. Like, I, w I ran away from the cops one time. I was like, I was about to get a speeding ticket because the gun was out, the radar gun, you know? And I was flying down Mokapu, like, from the back gate of the Marine base. You guys know where I'm talking about? Like, Aikahi Park and down Mokapu and heading towards Kalaheo Hillside and, and the hill. And I was at the stoplight. I probably told the story before. At the stoplight in my little Honda CRX SI back in like 1988. And I was at the stop, I was at the stop stoplight. And I went, I wonder how fast my car can go zero to 60. Let's try. <laughs> Timing myself. Bob! And I just like, I went for it, right? Ooh, it's like 30 miles an hour down this. I'm not recommending this. I'm not saying do this. It's wrong to do this. But I was a dumb teenager. And so I blast. And I was probably going like 70 by the time I passed the police officer with his radar gun. And I was like, oh, no, what do I do? And my prayer was, God, hide me. Like, it, was, it wasn't boldness. Like, God, give me boldness with this officer. Just take it like a man. I prayed the human prayer, the limited prayer, God help, hide me. And totally wrong, totally not God, on my own, my thought was, 
I'm already super far past him. I saw the light go on in my rearview mirror, but if I can make it over the hill before he sees me and I whip it into TomTom's garage and turn my lights off, the cop will just go flying right by me. And it worked. I did it. <laughs> turn lights off, sit in, turn the car off. I'm sitting in there, rearview mirror watching, and the, I saw the flashing lights go by. Whoa! And I was like, yes! But part of me was having a heart attack. Like, I was like... <laughs> And I vowed to that day, God, I'm so sorry. That was so dumb. You're probably going to get me for that. I'm never doing that thing again. But here's human nature, and here's what keeps the church small. God, when troubles arrive, hide me. Lord, Lord, protect me. Keep me safe. That is not how the early church prayed. The early church prayed, this is their prayer, in the midst of the threats, the midst of the mess, God, give us boldness. Lord, to preach your word, to spread this movement. And Lord, we can't do it on our own just with the boldness. Give us your power. Do some signs and wonders and miracles in us because we can't do it on our own. That's heavy, guys. This is the thought for today is that they prayed for two things that we need to be praying for that are bigger prayers than just ourselves. In your life, pray for boldness. Pray for boldness in the middle of the situation so you're not just praying for for God to do something for you, you're praying for God to do something in you and through you to solve the problem that's at hand. Does that make sense? There's a difference with a God fix that versus God do something in me to use me in a powerful way to help bring about healing and to reach more people for Jesus Christ. That it's, there's a big difference that you could boldly say, God, meet the needs of those hurricane victims, Hurricane Irma, and all of the people that have been devastated. That's a good prayer to pray. But you know what an even better prayer to pray is? God, use me to do something about it. Give me boldness to reach into my wallet and go, I was going to use this money for something else, but people's lives are at stake over there. Lord, I want to have boldness to actually give towards a need that's actually there. Not just you fix it, God but use me to fix it. Because when I get the boldness to pray, it does something for me. Do you understand that God wants to change you, not just your situation? Because if he changes you, then it's long-term, the rest of your life, you're better, and you respond differently in all the situations. Whereas he fixed the situation, you didn't really have to do anything about it, you're the same person. God's going, I'm all about doing something in you, not just your situation. And better yet, then rather than just giving to something, there's some of you guys that said, I'm so bold, I want God to send me to Texas or to Georgia or to wherever it is they're hurting. And a lot of you guys came forward last weekend and said, sign me up to be on the team. See, you guys get the difference between like sitting there and praying good prayers, God bless people, and then what the early church said is the bold prayers, it's like God use me. You guys get that? This is what we're trying to get after today is we need to pray for boldness. So that means I don't pray the prayers of like, oh God, I hope my friend gets saved and comes to church. I start praying differently. I add on to my normal prayers, some big prayers that says, no, God, don't just save my friend. God, give me the boldness to at work on Monday, go talk to my friend and invite my friend to church. That, Lord, not just I hope they come to church, but that I would be able to share with them my story of why God is real in my life and why I live for him. That I could be close enough to this person to convince them because they've been burned by the church before. They're hurting. They, they don't trust organized religion, whatever. If I could go and show them my scars, the scars on my heart and on my life that were once wounds, possibly wounds by church people, but because of Jesus, they're healed and now they're nothing more than scars that leave a mark to give a testimony that God is a good God. Do you understand the difference in like, I hope they come to church versus God, use me to be a movement in this world. Amen? Is that good?
So how do we pray those? We need to pray for boldness. Secondly, we need to pray for power. That's what they prayed for, right? They said, would your power show up? Would your miracles, your signs and wonders? And that's a prayer definitely that a lot of us don't like to pray. Because we're in Hawaii and we feel shame and we feel unworthy and we're just like, no, God, you, you couldn't do that in me. Well, I'm not worthy. Like, I don't even want to ask you for that one, God. And plus, I don't know if I believe in the signs and the wonders and the miracles. Like, I don't know if it's really real. Like, I'm a practical thinker, a logical, critical thinker. Like, I, I don't know if I believe in all that miraculous stuff. So, so I'm never going to pray that. Well, God's going, hey, look, this is, this is what helped that early church, the first century church, exist, survive, and thrive to the 20th century in spite of persecution, being thrown to the lions, being killed for their faith. All of that is because they prayed not just for boldness, but they prayed for power, the Holy Spirit to come alongside and to do the miraculous things in their life that the church survived all of these years because there were people that prayed for boldness and for power. They prayed for miracles. Some of us got to get in the habit of praying for miracles praying that we actually serve a God that can do supernatural things, not just natural things, but literally he can show up in your life and that if you begin to pray bigger, I believe you're gonna get the bigger results. You pray directly, God, I I hope that um, you could heal that person of cancer. But you actually go in there and lay hands and in Jesus' name, we just command cancer to leave you. The results are up to you, God, but we're gonna command it and ask it in your name because there's authority in your name you might be surprised that someone might just get healed of cancer, miraculously, because we have reported cases of that in this church. Some of you guys are walking, living proof that God does miracles, amen? So what if we actually started stirring that up and actually started praying for, for not just healing physically, but marriages and finances and people getting jobs and all of this, because a miracle gets people's attention. Miracles build the movement. Like some of you guys are in church today Because friends and family members of yours experienced a miracle and you saw it. And you're like, whoa, that was kind of crazy. Like, well, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, they were supposed to be divorced. And they started going to church and they said it's like Jesus. And like, they're awesome and they're happy and they have kids and all of this. Or some of you guys are like, so-and-so was supposed to die. Like, we know that. Like, we saw the doctor's report. Like, our relative or whatever was supposed to die. But they prayed and suddenly the doctors don't know what happened, but they're healthy, and that piqued your interest, and you're like, I better find out a little bit more about this God that they're talking about. Some of you are here today because you witnessed miracles in the lives of your friends, amen? It's true. And so if we start to pray that way, don't you think God could do a little bit more if we were actually intentional about praying that way? So they prayed for boldness, they prayed for power, they prayed for bigger things than themselves. Today, I'm not asking you guys to go around and pray only the big prayers. Like pray only for miracles and boldness. Here's what I'm asking you. Pray the normal prayers that you normally pray because every prayer to God is a good prayer. Because don't you think that the early church, they had lives like you and I do? They had kids, they had things to worry about. They were like tradesmen, they were farmers, they were carpenters. And they're probably praying just like you you and I, the normal stuff. God, bless my relationship with my wife. Lord, help my kids to turn out good and not to run around and mess their lives up and things are just, just dumb. Lord, bless my business. They pray the normal prayers. That's good prayers. God says, every little thing you pray counts. You know, how many of you guys lose your keys on the daily? (laughs) Did you know it's absolutely okay to pray every single time for something that small? God, help me find my keys. Oh, there they are, you know? God loves the little prayers. But here's what I'm challenging you today. Would you add to your normal prayers some bigger and bolder prayers and say, God, 
can you use me, give me boldness and do some miraculous things through my prayers and in the lives of other people because I don't want to just pray these prayers. I want to add to that prayers that are going to reach the world because I'm part of a movement. So God, would you move in me? Is that good? That's a challenge. Now, what are the results? Because did it work or not? They prayed this prayer for boldness and power and look at what it says in Acts 4.31. Here's end of story for today's message. It says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They asked for power, power happened. They're like, we just prayed and an earthquake happened. That's gnarly, right? They're like, whoa, God, we asked for power. Power just happened. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know exactly how that acted out, but they knew something significant happened. It wasn't just like, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I guess I am. Are you? Yeah, I don't know. No, something dramatic happened. They, were, they, they felt the boldness or they felt the power. It says, then they preached the word of God with boldness. They asked for boldness and power, Power happened, boldness happened, they knew it, and they preached differently. But as a result, listen to this, because this is my, my last kind of point in this. When you pray bigger prayers, you actually get bigger results. They prayed for power and boldness to be a witness to other people, but extra things happened because God is an extra kind of God. Listen to what happened. It says, not just they were filled with the Spirit and they preached with boldness, but also all the believers were united in heart and mind. Suddenly, this sense of unity came up upon them when they said, we need more of you, Holy Spirit. We need power. It not just affected their reach in the world, it affected each other, their love for each other. It says, they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. See, here's the interesting thing that, that, that Luke, who's a doctor that followed Jesus, he's writing the book of Acts. And I think it's important that he didn't leave this out, that he said when they prayed for boldness and power, they got boldness and power. And look what else happened. Look at the extra stuff that God did is God welled up within the body of believers this sense of unity. They were there like suddenly they were just like they were given to one another. They were taking care of needs. They had generosity flowing out of them. And don't you think that had an effect on those on the outside of the church looking in and going, those guys are crazy. They sell houses, give them money to one another. They love each other. Don't you think that drew more people into wanting to be part of that movement? They're just like, those people are amazing. See, I think we need to stir that up within us is if we begin to pray for boldness and power, we're gonna get blessed with the extra, which God actually helps us to love one another even better. And all of our friends out there are gonna be looking in and going, I want what they have. The movement grows. People understand the saving power of Jesus Christ. Their lives are transformed because we attempt to actually pray bigger prayers. And it's not about God do my little stuff for me. It's God use me in the world around me. One of you guys wrote a prayer card not too long ago. I read them all. I don't know how long ago this is, I forget. But somebody in here said, prayed a prayer for their marriage. Their marriage was on the rocks and it was hurting. But they prayed a different prayer than God fix my marriage because that's what we normally pray. They prayed a prayer that said this, God, make me a better husband so the marriage will get fixed by your power in me and through me fixing it rather than just, I'm gonna sit here and do what I've always done. You fix my marriage, God. They actually prayed a bigger prayer that said, God, use me as a part of it. So here's the praise report because I saw it. I prayed for God to make me a better husband. God answered the prayer. I became a better husband. My wife loves me more. We're communicating, we're this. But she also said, I become a better dad. Do you see that extra part about God? He doesn't just do what you've asked. When you ask the big thing, God, work in me. 
the results are more than just the intended recipient. It actually spills over into other areas of your life. So then my wife says, I'm a better dad to our kids right now. And I'm a better person at work that I invited one of my coworkers, my friends to church. He got saved. Now his life is thriving and he's good. And here's the extra nature of God. The bigger prayers equal bigger results. You pray for boldness and power so that you can reach more people. And God goes, oh, it's going to go farther than you thought. If you would actually step out and pray, God, give me boldness, give me power, it's going to do more than you actually thought it could do. How we pray shows what kind of a church we are, what kind of a people group we are. Even when people drop in on your waves and you're angry about that, is that you pray for boldness and power and you can bring peace and calm to those kind of situations. Is this a good word for you guys this morning? I want to end with this, okay, one last thing. I want us to pray, and I'll, I'll pray it over you. You know, can we do it this way? Can we put verse 29 on the screen? Is that too much to ask for the PowerPoint people? Um, can we do verse 29, this one? I want you, if you're a Christian in the room here today, if you're not, this, I'm not going to force anybody. We're not about manipulation, whatever. And if you're a Christian and you feel like you would like to pray this prayer that the early church prayed because they had a passion that was contagious, they got all the way down the line hundreds of years later to us, 2,000 years later to us. If you want what they had and you want to learn to pray bigger prayers, I'm going to ask you to read this with me as we pray this together over our lives. Can we do that this morning? And you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm not about trying to force anybody. But would you do this? Would you hold your hands out because you want to receive this? I, I want to receive this because we're asking God, give us something, right? So on the count of three, we're just going to read this together. I'll read it out loud, but you just read it with me. But this is your prayer to God this morning with our eyes open so we can read it. But we're praying to God this morning. Here we go. One, two, three. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let's bow our heads. God, would you answer that prayer of our hearts this morning? Father, we pray for more boldness. We pray for more power in our lives, in and through us. Lord, we want to be part of the movement, not just an institution. Lord, we want to reach our friends, our family. Everyone in this world needs to know what we've experienced. God, you're so good. Your power transforms lives. We're living proof of that. We don't come to just some religious place every day to get our, our, our warm, fuzzy fix. Lord, we're here because we want to get trained and sharpened, and we want to love one another, and we want to model to the world around us how good of a God you actually are, that you change our lives, you fix our circumstances, you lead us forward with hope and freedom and healing and forgiveness. And God, we need to be about telling the rest of the world all the goodness that you have. So Lord, would you change us, your followers, your Christians in here so that we'd be more outward thinking and we would just put your love on display around this world. And I want to pray this with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed. If you're someone that came here today and you would honestly check yourself and say, I'm not a Christian. You could honestly say that. Like maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you've even read the Bible, but you're not officially in and you know it. Well, no judgment on that. Is that actually we want to offer something better and that is a decision that you would make in your heart today to start following Jesus, to join the movement. And it's not that God's going to do all this dumb stuff in your life and, and change you and make you worse or, or just what you think it might be. You might have been burned by the church and you saw some bad examples of it. That's not what we're all about here today. We're about a God that loves you. He's got hope for your life. He wants to fix the areas that are hurting and they're broken and they're messed up. And he wants to lead you forward in his grace and in his power so that he could do things in your life you could never do on your own. 
He wants to tell you that he loves you, he died for you, he forgives you, and he wants you to join him in his family. All the changes he's gonna make in your life now and in eternity, because there very much so is life after death. We know that from the Bible. It just matters on where you go. And we wanna make sure today that you're going to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. And if that's something you'd like to pray this morning, I'm just gonna ask one thing. I'm gonna ask that you would let me know that you wanna say a prayer with me because it's this prayer that changes everything, that puts you in relationship with God. And the, the prayer is simple, and I'm gonna pray it out loud for you because I'm not trying to embarrass you in front of all these people. I want you to pray the words that I say out loud in your heart here today, that you would say what, what Pastor Carl's praying, these are my words to you, God, right now. And you would join me in this prayer because it starts in the heart. Can't just start with lip, lip service. It's gotta start in the heart. And after you pray this prayer after service and everything, you can go and tell someone, Hey, man, I confess with my mouth that I'm, I'm a Christian now. Tell your friend that brought you, someone that's been praying for you. But right now, let's deal with the heart issue. If there's anybody in the room here today that you like what you hear about the move of God, about him offering you a new life and a second chance, and he wants to fix your life, he doesn't want to judge you, he wants to bless you and forgive you and heal you. And if that's you here today and you're ready to say this prayer with me, with every eye closed so no one's looking and peeking at you, but would you let me know you want to pray with me by raising your hand right now? Just raise your hand up right now just so I can see. Like, I want to pray this. Good, I see a hand right there. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. Keep them up. I just want to acknowledge you. I see you, ma'am. I see you behind her. I see you. I see you. I got you. I see you, sir. I see you front row right over here. I see a couple in the back over there. I'm looking around. I just don't want to miss anybody. I want you to know that somebody saw you. You do matter. You do count. I see you. God sees you. Praise God. If you're in the back in the family room, we have staff that are watching. Someone sees you in the courtyard, wherever. Even if you're online at home right now and you're making this decision, you know what? God sees you and that's all that matters. Would you put your hands down right now and just pray this with me in your heart of hearts. This is just you praying to God, words I'm going to say. God, I'm here today and I realize that I need you. Lord, I... It's a big thing for me to say, to surrender that, but I need some help here. I'm not the greatest person at controlling my life. And I do some, some weird things and some dumb things that aren't good for me. So Lord, I'm asking that you would come into my life from here on out as I follow you, and you'd help me to get those things in line. You'd help me to fix those things because of your power and your Holy Spirit in me, Lord, that I would overcome and have victory in areas that I never have before. Lord, that you would tell me in my heart that you have forgiven me and that you love me, that I'm in your family. And I do this by telling you that I believe from my heart that you are the son of God, Jesus, and that you did die on that cross for me and my sin. And then you rose again, conquering death and separation of, from me and my sin from God. And so Lord, I believe in what you did, the free gift of salvation, that you're gonna come in my life and change me. And Lord, I'm gonna be with you for all of eternity in heaven. So Lord, my response is, I welcome you. I surrender my life to you. Lord, I promise to get a Bible to start learning more about you. Going to church, being a part of this movement that is just here to help me and to love me and to, to bless my life. Lord, receiving all of the power of your Holy Spirit in me to change things that I can't change on my own. Getting water baptized just to let everybody know that I'm, I'm serious about being born again a new creation. Lord, all that you have for me, the answer from the bottom of my heart this morning is yes. Yes, Jesus. I will follow you all the days of my life as you begin to change me into something better than I am right now. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And we're gonna praise God right now for those people that prayed that prayer, yeah. Amen, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.